our fourth week of our series, Arise. And today, if you're taking notes this morning, you can write down just a subtitle uh, for this message today, Arise to Serve. Arise to Serve. Week one was about arising to life. Week two, it was arising to worship. Last week was about arising to give. Today is about arising to serve. Arising to serve. Yesterday, um, I attended a, a, a home-going funeral service uh, for, for someone, and um, this person was a believer, follower of Jesus, and as we, we, we sat in the service, uh, the pastor who was leading the service uh, said a very interesting statement, uh, I think a very impactful statement to me personally. But he was sharing about how he's been in the ministry for a very long time, and because of that, he's... There've been, he's had many opportunities to do funeral services for people of many different ages. He's I've done funeral services for, for children to, to teenagers to, to, to the elderly. He says, I've done, I've done funeral services for, for many different ages. But he shared that because he says, one thing that I discovered or that I've come to realize when it comes to doing funeral services of people of various ages, he made this statement. He said, I've come to realize that it's, it's not about the duration of a person's life, but the deposit. He said, it's not about the duration of a person's life, but the deposit. In other words, what he's saying is it's, it's not about how long a person lives that matters, but it's really about the impact and deposit that they made in life. That will preach, will it? It'll preach. It's not about the duration of life. It is about the deposit. And it, it, it had me to question my own life and, and, and the amount of time that I've lived. What kind of deposit have I made in this life? See, the, the society, we make statements, especially when people that we know that have died, what we would consider very young or younger, we, we make statements like, man, they've just been gone too soon, or they've been taken from us too soon. They died too young. But the question really is not about the, the, the duration of life. It's not about how long so much the person lived. The question we should be asking even to our own selves is what kind of deposit have we made into this life? What kind of deposit have we made into other people's lives? And he, he referenced Jesus. He says, you know, Jesus was only 33 years of age when he died on a cross. He was only 33. But to even take it a step further, the, the ministry of Jesus didn't start till he was 30. So Jesus, in three years, how many of you would agree this morning, made probably the, no, we know the most significant impact to humanity in just three years, right? Three years of ministry, Jesus made the ultimate deposit. In three years of ministry, Jesus made the ultimate impact. So we don't need to say about the life of Jesus 33 years, oh, he was gone too soon. No, he made the necessary deposit that he needed to make. He made the necessary impact that he needed to make on humanity. And I want to talk about that for a few moments as we talk about the subject of serving. Because I believe that serving really sums up the life of Jesus. It really sums up the heart of Jesus to serve. And so if you have your Bible this morning, go with me to the book of John chapter 13, the gospel of John chapter 
13. We're going to see the heart of Jesus. And when we look at the heart of Jesus, we're going to look at the heart of serving. In hopes that it would prompt something in us, that it would stir up something in us, that we too would want to model the heart of Jesus when it comes to serving. Father, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive, that it is powerful, that it is active. Lord, change us today. Transform our hearts today. In the name of Jesus, amen. John chapter 13, verse 1 reads this way. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Now let's stop right there for a moment. So let's just examine the scene. Jesus is in the final moments of his life here on earth. And he, he chooses to have these final moments of his life here on earth with his friends, with the, the disciples. And he is at, at what we now know we call the Last Supper. He's with his loved ones. He's with those that he loved. The Bible says that those that he loved even to the end. So he's with those that were closest to him. This is a very significant, important moment. Now, let's put ourselves in that position, if we would. Imagine it with me, if you will, that you were given the news that you were only given three hours to live. Three hours. So, the time is now, uh, it's what, 10, 10, 20? So, say you only had three hours from this time, from this moment to live on this earth. How would you live in those final three hours? What would you do? What would be some of the things that you would want to have done? What would be some of the things that you would want to accomplish? I know what I would want to do. I know if I only had three hours to live, I, I would want to be around my family. I would want to be around my loved ones. I'd want to uh, enjoy that moment. I'd want to uh, man, spend some quality time in that moment with my family. But I guarantee you somewhere within that three hours, I would take a special time, a special moment to pull my daughters to the side. Because this is the final moments they're going to have with me on this earth. This is the last time on this earth that they're going to see me. And so I would pull them to the side. And I would make sure that those, those, those final moments that I have with my daughters counted. So I would make sure that whatever it is that I wanted to communicate to them, whatever it is that I wanted to tell them, that it would be of lasting impact to them. There would be, it would be one of the most important deposits that I could ever make in their lives. I only have a few hours to live. 
And so this is what's going on in this scene here. Jesus knows that he only has just a few more moments with his disciples. He just has a few more moments with those that he loves. What type of deposit does he want to leave with them in these final moments? What is it that he wants to communicate to them? What is it that he wants to share with them? Verse 4 says again, he rose from supper. And it says that he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. So this is his final moment with his disciples. This is his final moment. This is the final deposit that he wants to leave with those that he loves. And he doesn't make any grandiose statements. He doesn't remind them uh, about all the miracles they've seen. He doesn't tell them anything uh, about the, the previous sermons that he preached, nothing else, but he opens up this way. He stands up from the table, takes off his outer garment, takes a towel, wraps it around his waist, pours water into a basin, and then he kneels down before his disciples. And he begins to wash their feet. Now, the washing of the feet is pretty important in that time, obviously for the fact that the type of shoes that they wore, they wore sandals, and they walked everywhere that they went. So, yes, The feet were grimy and dirty and dusty. So the washing of the feet, that that was nothing new to them. They knew what that was. They knew what what that was all about. But but, but what was so significant about that moment was that Jesus was the one washing their feet because the washing of the feet was solely a task uh, that was was solely reserved for non-Jewish slaves. Like, like the washing of the feet was really the, the, the lowest of the low when it comes to slavery or being a servant. So much so, they didn't even want Jews doing it. They wanted non-Jewish slaves to do it. That's how low this task was. That's how low this act of service was. And here Jesus, Son of God, the Messiah, Savior of the world, teacher, the rabbi, got lower than his disciples and began to scrub and wash the dirt, the grime, the filth of his disciples' feet. Not just the disciples that loved him back, but even of the disciple Judas that already had it in his heart to betray him, which Jesus knew, mind you. And Judas's feet were also washed. 
And so Jesus makes this incredible statement and deposit into the lives of his disciples. And what is that? Is that of service? Is that to serve them? And we see this throughout the scriptures. We see this in Matthew 20. There is this, this, this woman, this mother, and she has this conversation with Jesus. And she asks Jesus a question. She says, Jesus, uh, you know, when, whenever you get in your kingdom, whenever you're establishing your kingdom, can you make sure that, that, that my sons have a place of authority? Like, can you make sure that my sons are sitting at your right and your left hand? Can you make sure, my, like, my sons are, are good? And Jesus says, hey, you, you don't even know what you're asking. You don't, you don't really get it, do you? Because, see, this, this woman was asking based off the standard of society. Like, like, society always tells you, man, you need to get ahead. You need to become a boss. You need to become this. You need to, you need to, you need to uh, get a high uh, uh, position. You need to get a high uh, uh, level. You need to, to get, you need to get it. Go after it. Chase it. Do whatever you can. Don't, don't take these menial small positions and these lowly positions. No, society says you go for it. It's good to be in positions that are affluent. It's good to be in positions of high standards. It's good to be in positions where people can look at you and say, wow, look at them. They've made it. So she was asking this just because she, that's, that's, all, that's what she knew. Man, I want my, my sons to be in, in a good position with you, Jesus. So make sure that they're uh, in places of authority. And Jesus said, no, you don't even know what you're asking. And then he sums it all up in Matthew 20, 28. He says, even, actually, let's read at verse 26. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Verse 28, even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to what? Serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what, what is he saying? He said, man, the, the son of man, he's talking about himself. He's saying, man, the very son of God, the almighty, savior of the universe, the man. I didn't even come to this earth to be served, but I came to serve and to give the life as a, Ransom for many. Well, that just flipped the whole dichotomy out because now people are, are tripped. Like, that, that doesn't make sense. You're Jesus. You are Jesus. And here you are talking about, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. To get low. To humble myself. The greatest of these will be your servant. The greatest of these will get low. That's the very heart of Jesus. The very heart of Jesus is service. The very heart of Jesus is to serve. 
we continue to get a better understanding and idea of, 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 of the very reason Jesus came to this earth, the very reason behind his heart, the way that it is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it'll be up on the screen if you're not there yet. But Philippians 2, 5 says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So like he knew who he was. He knew exactly who he was. He knew his, his entitlement. He knew his position, but he didn't consider it a thing to be grasped. So what does that mean for us as servants? Well, I believe it clearly defines what a servant truly is. If you're taking notes, write this down. Point number one, servants give up their rights for others. Servants give up their rights for others. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, what that means is we don't have the right, hear me, we don't have the right to determine who's worthy to be served or not. See, some of us don't have a problem with serving, but we're selective on the people that we serve. Like, yeah, I, I'm a servant, I serve, but, but, but let me make sure that I'm serving over here. And there's various reasons why we do that. Some people serve over here because if I serve over here, this is where I can be seen. If I, if I serve over here, man, the people there, man, they're grateful. But if I serve over here, nobody will see me. And man, those people are so ungrateful. They don't even tell me thank you. And so we become selective in, our, in, in who we serve, but, 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 but a servant forfeits that right. Why? Because Jesus did. Jesus forfeited his right. Jesus had every right to say, hey, do you know who I am? I'm the son of God. You better get low and bow before me. You have no right to talk to me like that. But it says that he took his equality with God because he was God. It's something that he didn't grasp when he had every right to. But a servant gives up their rights for other people. A servant doesn't have the right to determine who they're going to serve and who they're not going to serve. We give up the rights for other people. Continue reading verse 7. But not only did he consider that not a thing to be grasped, but verse 7 says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a what? Of a servant being born in the likeness of men. So this is, this is we're, we're coming into December, so we're coming into the Christmas story now, right? This, this is what it all is. The fact that, that, that Jesus, was already, uh, Jesus was already in glory. Jesus already had the riches of heaven. Jesus had everything 
he needed. He didn't need anything because he was self-sufficient. But he knew that it was necessary for him to come down to this earth. Why? Because humanity needed a savior. We couldn't save ourselves. And so Jesus leaves the luxuries of the heavens, the luxuries of glory, and comes down to the ghetto we know as earth. It says that he emptied himself. He emptied himself. He paused his wealth. He paused glory. He put that on hold. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Point number two, write this down. Servants become less so others can become more. Servants become less so others can become more. Jesus leaving the glories of heaven, coming to this ghetto, this hood we know as earth. Not only that, but taking the form of a man, putting these flesh clothes on, subjecting himself to the flesh. Savior of the world coming in the form of a man, but don't forget the fact he came in the form of a baby first. Which a baby is not self-sufficient. A baby is so dependent. A baby needs you to feed him. A baby needs you to clean him. A baby needs you to hold him, to be with him. Crying in the middle of the night. Now, I know some of you have this idea about Jesus being a baby, like, oh, he was just the perfect baby. No, he slept all night, silent night, wrapped up, swaddling clothes, just the perfect angelic baby. Now, Jesus was crying. Because he needed some, he needed food. He needed food. He needed something that would give him energy. He needed something that would satisfy this flesh that he was in. That's what he subjected himself to from being so self-sufficient to needing a mom to feed him. He emptied himself. The servant that became low, became less. Why? So that others could become more. He had to do that. Why? Because we needed him to do that. We needed him to do that. And so for us as as believers, as followers of Jesus, when we serve, sometimes we do things that, that, that others would deem as, man, that's pretty low. Why, why, why would you even do that? When we uh, uh, were here at the church, when we came back to the church, there was one event that we had, and, uh, and I don't remember what event it was exactly, but we were stacking up chairs or vacuuming, doing something, I don't remember. And so Nancy and I were doing some things, and uh, when we first came back, 
we had some folks they in well-hearted well-meaning people they just they ran over it they they took the chair out of my hand took the vacuum out of nancy's hand and says hey y'all don't need to be doing that y'all y'all don't need to to, to do that no y'all are the pastors let us do that. Let us take care of that. And we had to kind of pull them to the side and say, look, don't worry about that. This is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to do. I don't have this, this, this esteemed position that I can't lift up a chair, that I can't vacuum a floor, that I can't wipe down a table. That's not what this is. That's not what this is because if I took on that position, in my mind, that elevates me higher than Jesus. I said, no, man, we'll, we'll stack a chair. We'll, we'll vacuum the floor. We'll wipe a table. Like, like we're, we're servants first. And I told people when we came back, I said, look, man, we're not here to save the city. We're here to serve the city. We're not here to save people. We're here to serve people. Jesus does all the saving. Jesus does all But we are here to serve people. And a servant makes themselves less. A servant makes themselves lowly so others can be elevated, so others can be more. That, 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 that's, what this, that's what this all is. That's why we came back. That's why we're here. It's because we came to an understanding today. We're, 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 we're nobody outside of Jesus. Like, I needed saving just like you did. I needed a Savior just like you needed a Savior. And I need him daily in my life just like you need him daily in your life. Servants become less so others can become more. We are to elevate people. We are to push people above us. We are to seek what we, the Philippians says, the, the, the interest of others over ourselves so they can become more. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, verse 8, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So not only did he, he come in human form, not only did he become this baby to grow into this man, to, to subject, subject himself to, to the flesh, but the Bible says that he, not only that, he died. He died on a cross. Not just any type of death, but a humiliating death. He died on a cross. I've shared this before about when it comes to crosses, like we have a cross here, uh, and people wear crosses around their neck. People, like crosses are symbolic of, 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 of our faith and things of that nature, but, but the people in the first century would have looked at this kind of strange wearing a cross around our neck because it would be equivalent as us walking around with a electric chair around our neck. It would be equivalent for us saying, hey, let's have a, a wooden electric chair uh, on our stage. Why? Because to them, the cross was just forms of execution. 
It was forms of a gruesome execution. And, and, and not, not just any execution, but a humiliating execution. And Jesus subjected himself to a humiliating execution. Humiliating, getting nailed to a cross with no clothes on. Humiliating, but what does that mean? Servants are obedient whatever the cost. They are obedient whatever the cost, because serving will cost you something. It'll cost you something. Cost Jesus his life. You best believe when you serve, it's going to cost you something. One of the things that Nancy and I kind of made the decision on when we, when really when we started serving in this house, was we knew that that it would cost us something to be here. We knew that it would. And we would have long discussions about it. We'd pray about it. We knew, you know, is is leading a church or pastoring a church, is this something that we really want to do? Like, I, I, I know that that pastoring, some people think, oh, man, it's, it's really great, and it's a great position, and, man, I'm, I'm honored to be a pastor, but I've seen a lot in the lives of pastors in my time in ministry. Like, I've seen what it does to marriages. I've seen what it does to families. I've seen the strain and, and, and the burden that, 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 that people carry pastoring a church. And so there was a, it was a discussion that we had and stuff that we prayed about, and we were just saying, like, is this something we really want to do? Are we willing to, to do this? Are we willing to put our marriage through this? Are we willing to put our girls through this? Is this something? And we, we, we talked about it long and hard. We prayed about it because we knew it would cost something. We just, we just knew it would. And it's the same thing for, for anything that you do. When you, when you choose to put yourself in service to others, it's going to cost you something. For, it, it, and it varies for different people. For some, it, it, it's time. Like, it's going to cost you time to serve people. Like, like right, now, in the, right now, at this very moment, there are people that are serving you, and you may not even know it yet. I, I spoke to our, our, our leadership a few, uh, few weeks ago, and I used this illustration of uh, the duck philosophy. The duck philosophy. If you ever look at a lake or a pond and you see uh, uh, ducks kind of gliding across the pond, right? They're just kind of gliding across the pond. They look like they're just going real smooth, getting one from one end to the other. But, but what you don't see is underneath the water, their little feet are paddling away. Like they're going at it like this. Outside, you just see it going smooth. Like, man, just look at them, man. Just no cares in the world. Everything is good. Looks like a nice, smooth glide on the water. But below the surface, their feet are paddling away. And that's the way it is at church a lot of times. Like, many times you can come in here. Now, we don't have the best facility in the world. We, it's an older facility. There are things that, that break down and things all the time. But, 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 but there are men and women, there are people that come into this place to make sure that, that, that you all have 
hopefully one of the best experiences you could ever have in a church service. It's what you don't see. What you don't see is the people that get here early to come set up some things and to make sure things are picked up. What you, what you don't necessarily see is the people that get here early to come rehearse and practice and, and lead and, and worship for us. What you, what you don't see right now is, is, is right across the wall here that there are, there are people here that are, that are carrying your babies, that are loving your babies, that are praying for your babies. What you don't see right now is, is upstairs that there are, there are people that are loving on your children. They're, they're, they're preaching and teaching your children the word of God. They're, 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 they're making it so that they're not just being babysat, but they are receiving something so they can leave with something so that you could come in here and not have to worry about them for an hour and a half. It's the little feet under the water paddling away, what you don't see. Serving costs something. It costs something. It costs Jesus his life. but they serve whatever the cost. They serve because they know it's necessary. They serve because they know it needs to be done. It's gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost you time. It's gonna cost you energy. It may cost you money to serve, but that's the very heart of Jesus. That's the heart behind everything that he does and has done. Verse 8 again says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But verse 9, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus served, he humbled himself, he served, he, 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 no matter the cost, even cost him his death. But in verse 9, we see something happen as a result. He was rewarded for his service. He was rewarded for humbling himself, which means that point number four, write this down, servants will always be rewarded. Now hear me when I say this. Servants will always be rewarded. But here's the thing. You may not always be rewarded in this life. Oftentimes, many times, the reward comes in eternity. See, some of you may not ever see the benefits of your service here on this earth. Some of you have been serving and serving and serving and serving. No gratitude. Nobody thanks you. Nobody does anything. You haven't gotten anything for your service. And you serve and you serve and you serve because you just, you're being obedient to God. You're, be, you're being obedient because you know it's the thing to do. It's something you, you, you feel in your heart to do. But the reality is, there's a possibility you may not ever get rewarded. You may not ever get thanked for your service in this life. But rest assured, in the life to come, in eternity with Jesus, 
Really, that's the ultimate reward. That's the ultimate reward. Proverbs 22, 4 says, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is what? Riches and honor and life. There's a reward for your humility. There's a reward for humbling yourself. There's a reward for serving. Some will see it now, some will see it later, but it doesn't matter. There will be a reward. James 4.10 says, do humble yourselves before the Lord. And what? He will exalt you. There's the reward. There's the reward. Servants will always be rewarded. Will always be rewarded. Because it's a promise of God. It is a promise of God, and God cannot lie. So what is your deposit? Remember, it's not about the duration of your life, but it is the deposit. What is your deposit in this life? What is your deposit in the life of your family? What is the deposit in those that are around you? When you leave this earth, how will you be remembered? How will they remember you? What was that thing that you impacted this life with? What was that thing that you impacted the life of other people with? Will they remember you as a servant? Will they remember you as one that got low? Because Jesus surely wanted to communicate to us how important it was to serve. And if Jesus himself can get low, and wipe the muck and dirt off the feet of his disciples, the lowliest of the lowest of tasks that they don't even give to Jewish slaves, How low must we get? How must we serve? And I'll be honest, there are are times where, and and this is just the pride of my heart sometimes, there there are times where stuff creeps into my, my heart, into my mind, where I said, man, I can't do that. I can't, I know, I can't, I can't do that. No, somebody else can do that. Somebody else could get that. That piece of trash on the floor, ah, somebody will get that. That, that. that chair that needs to be stacked, that table that needs to be put up, that, that, that person that needs help, whatever the case is. Oh, no, I can't help that person. I know they're not going to thank me, and I know they ain't got nothing for me. But a servant gets low no matter what the cost. Even if people are ungrateful. Because see, we forfeit the right to choose who we serve. We forfeit that right. That's what servants do. Because that's what Jesus did. And so what about a practical sense for us today? So, so let me get practical with you just for a few moments and then you're going to be free to go. 
in a practical sense for us as a church, there are areas where you can serve. Some of you are already serving, and we are grateful for you, for, for those that serve. So grateful for you. And, and, and if I don't tell you enough, which I know I don't, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But there are folks here that are wondering, hey, you know what? I, I, I want to serve, but I've kind of been hesitant about serving, and I don't know if I can serve. I don't know if I'll be good at that or, or whatever the case may be for you. But, but we want to we give you an opportunity, even this morning, to figure out a place for you to serve, figure out a place where you can plug in here at the church because we need it, trust me. We need it, trust me. There are plenty of areas here at the church. And no area is beneath any of us. No area. So what I want to do this morning, just in a practical step for you, because I, I want you to leave with something. No, you, you did something. You took a step today in that. Is I want to share with you some of the areas in our church where we need help. We need people to serve. Now, don't, don't tune me out yet. Don't shut me off yet. Don't, don't, don't do it. Like, ah, he's done. Flip, close the notes. We're done. This is important. But right now, there's an opportunity and, and for you to serve. And to get practical with it, right now, you can go on our website. And I, you can do that right now. On your phone, you can go on the website. You, we, have, we have free Wi-Fi here, so you can get on on the Wi-Fi. If you, if you, if you need help, find it. It's Southwest Harvest Church guest. The, the, the password is guest1234. You can go to our website, myswhc.com slash serve forward slash serve, S-E-R-B-E. You can go right now, read the little prompt, and click the little drop down to see the areas where you can serve. You can do that right now. You can do that before you leave. I don't even want you to go home and pray about it. Because I prayed for you. I prayed. I did. This morning I said, Lord, Already work on the hearts of your people this morning. Already just, just, just give that prompting in them to say, you know what, I want to serve.